0: In this episode of Octal FM, we jump on that 2020 bandwagon and kick off a new three-part miniseries where we discuss our Games of the Decade. Hello and welcome to another episode of Octal FM. I'm Gelada And I'm Saffron. And today we are starting a rather mega sort of mini-series mm. of Octal FM episodes. And we're doing something that a lot of people are doing. Um, so we thought we'd jump on the bandwagon. Absolutely. And uh, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk through our games of the decades. Mm. Uh, and what we're going to do is we're going to, each pick a game from each year so 2010 all the way up to 2019 and we're going to start with 2010 and 2011 and 2012 this episode and then we'll go on from there and we're kind of the way that i thought about it anyway and i think you did as well Is sort of like it's not like this was our game of the year for 2010 this was our game of the year for 2011 but it's more about thinking about the decade as a whole what are the most like the the best or most important games for us from each year Um, That was released that year, rather than sort of like looking at the decade as a whole, but then looking at each individual year and its kind of like contribution, if you like, to the decade as a whole.
1: So one of the things that we didn't want to limit ourselves to was like saying this is the best game of the year, because Mm. then it'd be a pretty boring list like everyone else's. Because yeah, I mean, yeah, there probably are some games that are just like yeah, these are probably the best critically games of of the decade. But in fact, one of the reasons why I wanted to even do this sort of like collection. Of episodes just because there's a couple of games in specific i want to talk about and wanted an excuse to talk about them yeah um so and a few of these like on this list are not going to be like necessarily top-notch games they're all good but they're not like you know what everyone would consider amazing so
0: mm. yeah a lot of it is quite personal as well like yeah. you know games that are particularly relevant for us or there's like a story behind why it's so important um in the context of like the decade as a whole mm-hmm
1: and the other thing as well is we've tried to go with no re-releases mm. uh we've also gone trying to go for when they were originally released on their like initial console because like some yeah. games get released at other time periods on other consoles and stuff like that yeah so yeah we've tried to sort of, kind of when it was originally first released in whatever year we're talking about
0: absolutely why don't you kick us off what's your what's your game from 2010
1: uh, well, my game was 2010, and I can't believe that this came out in 2010 because it it feels still so fresh in my mind. That's how like much of an effect it had on me and my love for the universe of this game series as a whole, uh, and that's Mass Effect Two. Ooh, okay. Like I hadn't played the original Mass Effect because I remember when it came out. I think it was in 2008 the original Mass Effect came out, and it was like being touted as like an Xbox exclusive, if I remember rightly. Like it was a killer app on the mm. Xbox 360. And I was like, oh, well, I don't have an Xbox, so I can't play it, right? So Mm. when Mass Effect 2 came out, and I think it was out on, like, PC and Xbox first, but then it came out on PS3, which is actually how I originally played it, believe it or not. Mm, I was like, oh, cool, I'll give it a go. So I played Mass Effect 2 before I even played Mass Effect 1, which I know is uh, a bit of a faux pas. But I loved it, and ever since then, I've been absolutely besotted with the series of Mass Effect. Mm. So it came out super early in 2010. It came out in January 26th. So like almost the beginning of the whole decade. Really, really early. And it was developed by renowned, although rather not so renowned anymore, unfortunately, game developer BioWare, who were famous for game series such as Baldur's Gate. Uh, and all the other sort of like Mm. um, Wizards of the Coast like Neverwinter Nights uh, Icewind Dale sort of role-playing Dungeon Dragons role-playing games and the other big famous one they've known for is Knights of the Old Republic the the Star Wars RPG of course Uh, they're they're sort of their big ones but they've done lots of other great games as well Uh, like I say it was available on PC Xbox 360 and PS3 Mm. and it was very highly anticipated game it sold more than 500,000 copies in just five days which in 2010 like pre- real, like, digital distribution. Like, don't get me wrong, distribution was still a thing in 2010, obviously, but, like, it was a lot more limited than it is now. 500,000 yep. is a pretty big number for, like, a non-ridiculous game, like, you know, your GTAs or your FIFAs and stuff like that. Mm. And like I say, it was, it was my gateway to the Mass Effect series. I... I got into the game, the series this way, and ever since I've I've loved it, uh, and it's st- this one's still my favourite game as well. I still think this is overall the best Mass Effect game that they've released. Yeah, the, what stood out to me the most about it, other than the story, because the story is is fantastic, and I won't go into too much detail about why, of so like Shepard is such an interesting character to play as, and all the characters etc. But it carried on all that. Excellent storytelling, which you kind of expect from Bioware, but it also made a really good fun game to play as well at the same time. Mm, mm. <laughs> because the I don't know, have you played the original
0: Mass Effect? I've played a bit of the original Mass Effect, yes. It's not, not all of it. Aged well.
1: Mm, no. <laughs> um the actual game itself is pretty lackluster. Right. So the combat is really kind of clunky. And it, everything feels like you're fighting with like blocks as opposed to like really precise weaponry. Hmm. The inventory management is an absolute joke.
0: Like that is just the worst thing ever. Um, well, it sort of feels like the original Mass Effect couldn't decide if it was like a proper D and D style RPG mm, in a way. Yeah. Like it sort of it felt a lot more like a. It was kind of a hybrid rather than the later games,
1: mm, definitely. And it feels like with Mass Effect 2, they decided to streamline it and go more action based. So, although it still has a very strong RPG element from the story point of view, when it comes down to the actual gameplay, primarily the combat, it feels a lot more like a a bit of a Gears of War style game. In fact, actually, if I remember rightly, Gears of War came out about this sort of time as well, didn't it? Yeah. Um, Like Gears 2, I think, was around this sort of time period. So, you can see the influence there because it is Mm -hmm. an over the shoulder, sort of like uh, run to chest high wall shooter. But it was mm. really precise and very... It feels really good to, to do. Uh, the weapons have a lot more kick to them. They feel a lot more impactful. They removed a mechanic from the first game where the weapons didn't have ammunition. They had, like, a heat, heat bar you had to manage instead. Right. But but they added ammunition into Mass Effect Two, and how they managed to shoehorn that into the lore was a bit funny, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> a bit comedic. Um, but <laughs> it, it made the game feel a lot better because the weapons felt more impactful. Every shot felt more important because you didn't, you couldn't just fire off endless amounts of bullets until you hit it. You know, so the combat of, of the mechanics of this series was so much better in two than they were in one, and they carried on being better and better in every subsequent game as well. Like for all its failings, Mass Effect Andromeda which is basically just Precursor Anthem, was is such a fun game to play. It's just a shame mm. it has so many other problems. Mm. Mm. And then I think the other thing that really makes Mass Effect 2 stand out for me now that I've played all the other games as well is how much more fleshed out the side characters are and how important right. all that is socially speaking. So in the first game, there are six characters that you can have on your team. And they they're okay, like they're all interesting enough, but they all feel like a little bit tropey, like this one's the the kooky alien, this one's the sexy alien, this one's the aggressive alien, etc. Mm-hmm. And although that does carry over to some extent into Mass Effect 2, they've added quite a lot more characters. They're quite a lot more nuanced. The one mm-hmm. the returning ones have a lot more backstory added to them. And then I think the best thing about it is they added each of them had their own like loyalty mission system where if you went and did something for them after getting kind of to know them more and befriending them further you get access to like more skills and more abilities that they could do but the the main reason to do it wasn't necessarily just from the gameplay point of view but it was to learn more about these characters and really understand their backstories and motivations for why they joined your team to begin with so Mm. It, I can still name all the characters now and I can picture them in their, in my head and hear them and talking and mm. everything. Like, They really did create great characters for Mass Effect 2, much better than they did in the pre- next games as well. Like Mass Effect 3 and Andromeda's characters were nowhere near as strong as 2s, in my opinion. Right. But yeah, like just overall, Mass Effect 2 was a great game. Uh, I'm really glad that it was the game that I started Mass Effect series with. Mm. Uh, and I will always recommend it to anyone wanting to play a Mass Effect game. Like I always say, start with 2 if you don't, Particularly if you're not fussed about playing through the story chronologically, you know. Right. Nice. My honourable mentions for 2010, because we're going to do some honourable mentions each year as well, Hmm. was Civilization 5. Mm -hmm. Yep. Because that came out in 2010. Uh, Just Cause 2, another excellent game from from 2010. Like, that could have easily been my game of the year if Mass Effect 2 wasn't released in 2010. Uh, Because Just Cause 2, I spent so many hours playing. It was so fun. Um, Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker uh, was very strange, very very queer metal gear game but hmm. very interesting as well and it is completely canonical
0: as well to the storyline so it's very important. Okay. Nice. I really struggled with 2010 yeah? if I'm in, if I'm honest. My choice for 2010 is StarCraft 2. Oh, okay, yeah. I never played StarCraft 1 uh, and so StarCraft 2 was kind of my intro into StarCraft and it was really a, my first proper intro into like exceptionally fast-paced micro real-time strategy games so i am a big fan of of real-time strategy games but i've not played that many hmm. and i'm just mainly a huge fan of age, age of empires. empires yeah yeah and you know and sort of like back in the day things like empire earth and stuff oh, like yeah, that was sort of, you know some of the some of the sort of weirder ones and so starcraft 2 you know i sort of i got into it in a in a reasonably big way mm. for me anyway you know it, it came out 12 years after starcraft 1 and i think that's i feel like starcraft 2 was a real high point for blizzard yeah really. definitely this um, is when they were you know, really high on
1: world of warcraft still being really big for them yeah. and
0: things like that and yeah. they're sort of and and, and they're sort of like they're coming back right you've got diablo 3 i think the next year yeah or, i think so yeah or, like uh i think i'm pretty certain that yeah uh no diablo 3 was 2012 sorry so you've got you know you're, you're close to d3 coming out you know you're really kind of like it's like revisiting all of the you know really popular franchises and doing a good job with it you know like taking the time and mm. um, you know there's a little undertone of sort of like what has happened to blizzard <laughs> um, yeah it's a bit ironic but, isn't it you know uh, it, it was a real high point and the the things for me were like i'm not big on campaigns in real-time strategy mm. games i've always enjoyed just playing them the, skirmish playing the skirmishes. Merge, yeah. But I know that, like the that StarCraft Two does have a very strong story and is very good with its storytelling. The story actually, con- you know, very much continues on from StarCraft One yeah. with sort of lots of the same characters and stuff like that. And actually, that was a little bit of a barrier to entry, not to be yeah, negative not knowing about the characters choice, and
1: the settings and all that kind of. thing. It's
0: actually quite difficult to play the story of StarCraft Two if you haven't played StarCraft One. But yeah, I always play strategy games for skirmish, and the biggest thing for me is that. The matchmaking and the ladder system in Starcraft 2 was really good. Yeah. You know, it. it's sort of quite early days, really, 2010, for, you know, having the concept of, you know, bronze, silver, platinum, mm, you know, like yeah. leagues that you work up through and, you know, mat- proper matchmaking you to sort of people that are on your similar level. Especially that were built um, into
1: the game infrastructure
0: itself. Yeah. And it was, like, really built in and really, really easy to use. You know, there's just, like, a button to start playing, yeah. you know, matchmaking ranked games. Because
1: before that, you'd have games, like, because one of the ones that we played back in the day was, like, Command & Conquer Zero Hour, didn't it? In general. Mm, yeah. And that didn't have that in that sense. You had to sort of, like... Make sure that you got matched with the right people using sort of like forums and stuff like that,
0: right? And then beyond that, you know, if you go back earlier, you had things like GameSpy and stuff yeah, like that, you yeah, know, for you know, like really early kind of lobby days and stuff like that. So, to have a really you know, streamlined, built in ladder system, you know, this is one of the first and one of the only real time strategy games that I've played in any strong amount online. Mm. You know, I typically just enjoy playing against the computer but starcraft 2 i did play online and i picked up strats and i would play you know ranked games and and ladder games because also the game because it's a it's that really fast paced yeah it um, is it's very fast micro style game it's less of a commitment Mm. to like play a game you can just like get into a game and then 10 minutes later literally sometimes 10 minutes later you've won or lost
1: yeah like if you compare Um, that to something like age of empires where the average game can take you over like
0: an hour and a half to three hours right like you you potentially have the you have the potential for like games to last for a really long time so you know that's why it's my my 2010 choice is that it was a real interesting dip for me into um sort of proper kind of online competitive strategy Mm. that i'd just kind of never done before despite being a real fan of the genre um and it was just a good game it was well balanced it was fun to play the the units yeah amazingly polished like one of the most polished games ever um like really great you know art style Mm. all the units are really interesting and varied and you know i mean that's what starcraft is known for anyway but to see it in in sort of a wonderful kind of 3D, you know, 3D rendering and yes. all of that kind of stuff, you know, it just and all of the special effects around like the lasers and mm. explosions and stuff like that, you know, it was a it's a really great looking game.
1: I mean, it, it's good that it's got such a good treatment because StarCraft is such an important legacy like the original game. Right. Like obviously it's most well known for being the competitive game that's that sprouted in Korea, you know, South Korea and that was a, the big game there. And that mm. definitely one of the core games that promoted esports as a concept.
0: Absolutely. You know,
1: like without StarCraft you could almost think that esports wouldn't have taken off in anywhere near the way it did. You know?
0: I so. sort of think that You know, both StarCraft and StarCraft 2 are really that sort of like first gen esports. Yeah. You know, like the sort of esports when it was big, but but only for gamers. Yes. Whereas now we have sort of got League and Fortnite and things like that that are, you know, they've propelled it. These are the ones that, you know, laid the groundwork Mm. for esports. Yeah, 100%. So it's good that Blizzard
1: took the time and made a great game as well.
0: Hmm. yeah absolutely honorable mentions for 2010 uh like vvv, VVV came out oh in yeah. wow that's, that's, a, that's a good one it may sound kind of weird but like this was sort of the time when mobile games were starting to get there was some good ones, mm. uh, like Cut the Rope. Was oh, that was great fun! Yeah, <laughs> and that was a great game. Um, so you know that that belongs on my honorable mentions. But it's quite a whimsical but it, choice. But it does
1: show you what you think of 2010,
0: though. <laughs> right? Yeah. When I'm picking that, uh, Mario Galaxy Two came out in 2010 Oh come as well, on! But yeah, I didn't that really, could easily be I didn't game. Really play that. that? Yeah. That's yeah, that's considered really to be one of the best that's...
1: Mario games anyway. You know? Yeah. But yeah. So that's my 2010. Well, moving on to 2011 for me, it goes from mm. a really big, sort of like huge game release, like Mass Effect Two. Going to a, a digital-only game. This is the Ooh, digital okay. only digital-only game that I own on this uh, this entire list of of games for the decade. And that's a game called Hardcore Uprising. Have you heard of this before? I haven't. No. Not. <laughs> this is, it's a little game, but if I tell you what series it's connected to, you'll know the series it's connected to. Okay. So Hardcore Uprising is a bit of a spiritual successor slash spin-off slash kind of sequel to the Contra games. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, one of the older Contra games is called Contra Hardcore. Right. And then this is sort of like a it's within the same sort of universe with a very similar mechanics to it and it's just called hardcore uprising so it was released in february and march of 2011 uh for 360 and ps3 respectively depending on the month and it was developed by arc systems do you know what arc systems have made i do not arc systems is the studio that are famously behind all of the really anime-ified fighting games like BlazBlue and guilty gear
0: Oh right, yeah. So yeah, that yeah. really okay. sort
1: of like cl- uh, clean, sprite style. Like I'm sure you know the the type. Now. Yes, and that yeah. is evident in Car Corporation. Like it's all sprite, and they are gorgeous. They are unbelievably mm. gorgeous. Like everything's mm-hmm. so crisp and so bright and so vibrant. Like they are wonderful developers when it comes to presenting their games. And like I say, yeah, it was a, it was. V- Part of the Contra series of games. So think Contra just on a modern day console that wasn't that awful one that came out like the other month. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and essentially it didn't try to do anything too crazy. It It's a run and gun shooter game. Uh, it has some mild platforming mechanics and there's no fancy gimmick to it it's just get through the levels as quickly and as effectively as you can Mm. making the highest score there is a bit of a story going on in the background and it was just a super satisfying game to play they really nailed the movement mechanics and the the shooting mechanics, and it almost feels mm. rhythmic. Like, when you get to know the level layouts quite well, and it's a bit like Star Fox uh, in the, you can try to take, yeah. like, multiple routes through levels if you do certain okay, yeah, in yeah, different yeah. ways. Once you learn the level layouts, you can almost just do it to the beat of the music, almost. Like, right, it's, yeah, Because yeah. the levels are only short. They're only, like, five or six minutes long each, so it's infinitely replayable. Yeah. And then that in combination with the fact that there's like, I think there's six characters, two of them you start with and you can unlock the other four as you go. And Mm. they all have sort of like slightly different styles of gameplay. So like the two base ones are like a, a male and a female soldier. Hmm. and they're much the same but like I think like the guy's slightly tougher and the girl's slightly faster or something like that And then, but then like later on you get one which is like a really big tanky dude who can take like multiple hits but he has like explosion abilities and hmm. then you have like this like female samurai who like doesn't have a ranged weapon at all but she can slash things with her sword a bit like Strider if you remember you know you from Strider uh, right. if you played those games um, you know and it changes up the way in which you approach each level and how the, the bosses fights are going to work and it's just so replayable. Like I played this Mm -hmm. game for months on end. Like every night I come home and I'd I'd sit and play this for a few hours. uh, Mm, Because it's a proper comfort game. Yeah, it really was. Uh, And it was so fun. Like, and as well, another thing is, and this arc systems are very well known for this too, is how good the music was. The music is absolutely killer. Like it's a really kind of cool, like electric metal, like hard sort of like fast paced music, you know, really, really good. Mm. I don't, know if it's available at anything else anymore like i think it's probably still just on 360 and ps3 Mm. um so if you like those sorts of games i that's how you're gonna have to play it, i'm afraid but i recommend Mm. it utterly it's it's so much fun um very criminally underappreciated in my opinion and the year itself wasn't the Best year for gaming, in my opinion, 2011. Mm, okay. um, and see, this is interesting. I mean, you differ so much. Um, for me, <laughs> I only have two honorable mentions this year because I just couldn't think of a, th- a genuine third one. Uh, and they're both a bit boring as well. Uh, so I gave it to Skyrim because, like, yeah. Skyrim, right? Um, <laughs> and Infamous 2. Uh, that was a good okay. game. Like, Infamous 2 was really fun. Like I thought that was... I really liked the first one, and this is basically just
0: more of the same but better. So, mm. yeah. Nice. Well, my game of 2011 2011 was a lot easier for me in the sense that if anything maybe harder because there's a lot to choose from Hmm. but from a game that was uh you know digital only to a game that was one of the most expensive games ever made at the especially at the time uh and that's la noir oh yeah now, thinking about it, I, you know, I thought about this and I was like, yeah, L.A. Noire, it was a really good game. It really kind of stuck with me. I don't think L.A. is has aged that well, despite the fact that you can actually now pick it up on Switch, yes, for example. Yes, you can, yeah. um, You know, there's been a remaster and stuff like that. I mean, you need to remaster it to sort of get the most money out of it after it costs so much. L.A. Noire, if you're not familiar, it's a neo noir sort of, I don't know, it's like, it's a little bit walking simulator. Mm. But there is a little bit of action as well. But it's... a uh, it's a it's a bit like a david puzzle. cage quantic dream
1: style game isn't yeah. it like heavy puzzle Raid solving and game. things yeah. like that yes
0: exactly there is like a, a slight open world it's sort of very very closely and realistically modeled on on los angeles at the time is it like is um, it
1: a 50s so aesthetic is that
0: right it's just after world war Two. yeah so 50s believe, yeah. So yeah so 50s and uh, oh no sorry it's yeah it's set in 1947 yeah um yeah And uh, yeah, you you play a detective solving crimes, basically. And there's sort of a there's an overarching story. Um, It was very critically acclaimed for its advances in storytelling. Mm. You know, it's it's very much a it's it's like a good story and good. It would make a good film. Yeah. You know, um, despite the fact that it's actually a game. It was made by Team Bondi. It's literally the only game they made. I was gonna say I've never heard of them before, so they made La Noire and nothing else, mm. and they were they were helped a lot by Rockstar, so it's actually uh, kind yeah of really you can a rockstar see that in a lot of things as well, like you even the character models look a bit GTA yeah. if you know what I mean. Exactly, and one of the biggest things about La Noir is that um, it had this incredible um, facial animation mm. tech which they basically built and invented for la noir they would use 32 cameras to record a face to then render it in the game and they needed to because what it was basically like the game is basically just like a few mini games tied together (laughs) like there's an open world there's some shooting there's a like hunting for clues on a crime scene and interviewing people and And that was the thing is that there was like this, you would interview people and you would like make notes and look at your notebook and and that kind of thing. And if you thought someone was lying, you had to give them, you had to show evidence as to why you thought they were lying. But they use the facial animation tech to sort of like, like the, the subtle nuances in their expression mm. were indicating if they were lying or not. And that is unheard of even now in a video game like that level of detail in like facial animation is very very rare um so to have it in 2011 is crazy
1: and one thing that i think makes that so impressive is that you get games nowadays that can do sort of like ultra photorealistic representations of people acting out like the game that comes to my mind immediately is death stranding right because it looks just like the real actors but they are all pre-generated cutscenes that have been handcrafted to, like, look correctly. Whereas in this, it will change on the fly. Because depending on what you mm. answer and who you ask and what time and what you present in terms of ed- evidence will change the person's response. So it's right. not like a it's like, like cutscenes, hand- it's exactly, like in-game. Yeah, exactly. It's all yeah. being done on the fly by the game as opposed to being, like, handcrafted yeah. by a developer, you know, two years ago. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. And it actually is funny. I was, I was reading up a little bit on it on some of the development background and uh, i think we've talked before right about how the playstation 3 was like this really weird architecture mm, um, yes like the the cpu and it was really weird la noir had a custom game engine that was basically designed for that All and right. it must i was i read that and i was like wow it must be the only one yeah <laughs> like it must have been <laughs> that was so such much a bad effort. architecture yeah
1: <laughs> like they really hindered themselves unfortunately like it's like if you knew how to use it it was wonderful but it was just so awkward to use yeah. in conjunction with developing games for every other system
0: But uh, yeah, it costs like $50 million (laughs) to make. Um, it's insane and you know i think it is worth playing but i i think that it was more spectacular in 2011 Mm. and i think now it's just kind of like it's a bit of an oddity now um there's a good kotaku article about it and sort of where it sits in history um so for me personally like that's a strong one for 2011 and sort of an an interesting game of the decades i don't know if it necessarily stands up super well now but it was definitely good you know and it was really good at the time I have a couple of honourable mentions as well. I mean, I almost feel it's a little bit criminal that neither of us mentioned Minecraft for 2011. because uh, It's, it's so weird,
1: isn't it? Because, like, you just don't think of Minecraft as a game from a year in general. It's such, like, a, a never-ending know, know. game now. Like, it's just almost like yeah. a... a- a part of the culture,
0: but like the impact of the you know on the gaming landscape yeah. of Minecraft, cannot be it can't understated. Be, no, hundred percent, it's it's, it's, it's it's colossal. It's ridiculous. I mean, for, even Fortnite holds its yeah you know ho- like holds its uh, influence from something like Completely. Minecraft. So yeah. to think that that came out in twenty eleven is you know that's a long time ago. Um, so that's a, definitely an, a sort of honorable mention for me. Um, the other one is um, Xenoblade Chronicles, yeah, uh, nice. on the Wii. So you know, I, I almost. I was talking through my choices to Tony and she was like, why is your choice not Xenoblade Chronicles? And, you know, it was good, but X and 2 have stuck with me so much yeah, more that yeah. I feel like, you know, as good as it was, I think that L.A. Noir has stuck with me a lot more yeah, as sure. a game um, from 2011. Nice. Um, there's also like Skyward Sword, Ocarina of Time 3D, they're, they're 2011. Um, I mean, yeah, but, but is Skyward uh,
1: Sword really a game of the year? Really? No,
0: but you know, it was, a, it was good. So I, I do like. I like it because it's a remake. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, i was sneaking <laughs> in anyway. um but Yeah. So that was my that was my 2011. Well,
1: moving on to 2012, and for me, this was the whole purpose of me wanting to do this three part mini series. Um, oh, okay. This I'm is. Gonna,
0: I'm going to lie back. A you you
1: can <laughs> tell what game this is. Like this is probably one of my favorite games full stop on any game Mm -hmm. system of all time and it's one that i have spent so many hours on that isn't like a live service game like say elite or an mmo right Um, and that is xcom enemy unknown i love xcom with all Mm -hmm. my heart like this game means so much to me and it is one of the reasons why i got my new current pc when I did because I needed to play the sequel to this game and my current machine just couldn't handle it.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: XCOM Enemy Unknown is just absolutely phenomenal in every way and I can imagine it's no surprise to anyone that knows me. Um, mm, I it mean, was, I could <laughs> It was released in October 9th, 2012 on PC originally uh, and that has since become available on Linux, Mac, iOS, Android, ps3 vita and 360 so many many consoles and many options to play it and it was made by Foraxis games who will come up later on in this uh, series of episodes again i'm sure who are best known for making the civ games so mm. civ 5 like i mentioned in our mentions earlier and all the other civ games since and it's a successor slash reimagining of mm. the original XCOM series of games from the early 90s, like the old, yeah. like, MS-DOS games, right?
0: I remember playing one of those as, like, a child, like a demo off a mm. demo disc and having absolutely no flipping idea what's going on. <laughs> I, like, no clue whatsoever. They they were incredibly obtuse. Uh, yes. <laughs> just insanely
1: hard. Uh, yeah. You know, and they looked really clunky to, like, a young person's eyes as well. Like, yeah. you're like, oh, why would I play this when I could go... A- play like soccer kid again or something yeah. um, <laughs> but the reimagining from 2012 is just fantastic like i feel like it's the only game on the pc era that has done like turn-based strategy games but being small scale feels so right. good because like I've always, I mean, we just, you talked about it earlier with StarCraft 2, but both of us have always really enjoyed RTS games, like Age of Empires, for example. Uh, mm. Another big one for me was Dawn of War. Like, I played oh, of so course, much yeah. Dawn of War, you know, oh, uh, Homeworld, you know, like, yep. great games. And I did already, at this point, enjoy 4X-style games as well, things like uh, Civ, the X-series games, mm. the Endless mm-hmm. series games, those sort kind of things. But I never really played all that many turn-based tactical games outside of things like Fire Emblem, right. Advance Wars, Wars yeah, yeah. and Final Fantasy Tactics,
0: yeah,
1: all of which are great games, but they're all handheld games. They're all on, like, Game Boy Advance and yeah. stuff like
0: that. They're also all, like, well, Advance Wars, I don't know, but they're all, like, Yeah, no, Advance Wars right? Intelligent
1: all... Systems. Intelligent Systems yeah. uh, do Fire Emblem.
0: You know? Right, exactly. So, uh, very much of a particular style in the tactical turn based, you know, kind of genre.
1: And XCOM Enemy Unknown basically took all of the mod cons from those styles of games and put them into the original classic formula from the XCOM UFO, mm. whatever it was called, series of games. Yes. And made just this wonderful amalgamation of the two. So, the idea of the game is that you run a secret like extra governmental organization tasked with defending earth from an alien threat that's invading from outside. And And the
0: aliens look like classic aliens. They
1: do. It's, it's so inspired by sort of like, you know, 30 style B movie kind of stuff, you know, like (laughs) big aliens with gray heads and like reptilian style aliens. And, you know, they have literal flying saucers. It's wonderful. Yeah. But it's, the game is all about resource management and strategic game by combined that both of them are just as important to each other. Like when you're, when you're in the home base area, you need to manage how many, how much money you're spending on things and what mm-hmm. countries you're going to protect more than other countries and what resources you're going to uh, research and what soldiers you're going to train and what equipment you're going to give them. It's all really important because when, when you get into the field, the enemy doesn't hold back even on the low difficulties. Like they, it, it really kicks your ass. Um, from an early point of view and it's so rewarding as well when you you get that kill you get that hit on the enemy that you need and you finish a mission without having to take any damage and stuff like that it's it's such a rewarding game and it ramps up the tension by adding like new threats and new limitations and the game's all about crisis management And I I love the idea of crisis management in games because Mm. no matter how well you're doing, the game can always throw you another curveball just to take you off balance a little bit. So it's always interesting. It's always fun, you know, because that's one of the problems with some like RTS games and strategy games that after a point, you guaranteed a win like yeah, after a certain point like aoe2 for example like you know you're gonna win it's just a case of mopping up now and the case is even more so in things like Civ, for example in like you know turn-based 4x style games where it's like you've got another hour's worth of gameplay but you know you've definitely won it's like i can't be mm. bothered just quit mm. xcom can do away with that because at a moment's notice it can just like say oh you're being attacked by this the extra alien saucer you have to right. deal with it now and you don't have the resources of right now to deal with it and it's wonderful and the last thing i think that made it so memorable is how moddable the game was as well right so the i mean i may maybe use there's
0: like a total there's like a total remake there's loads thing of there, them isn't there? but yeah. the
1: one that i'm going to mention I've, I've definitely talked to you about it before basically made the game like three times longer for me as a result of it right. and added like an extra 100 hours onto my overall gameplay wow. uh, it's called the long war mod um, That's it, yeah. yeah and it it takes the game from being really good to being like Absolutely incredible. And it was so good that the developers for Axis actually hired the mod team. And Amazing. they then worked for them when making XCOM two. So when XCOM two came out, there was already a long war version of XCOM that's two a, on release day.
0: That's such a story you know, it's a story that you hear is so much less nowadays than you did back in the not to be like an old, <laughs> old, an old person, a cloud, yeah. uh, an old crusty person, but like, <laughs> you know, that, that idea of modders being hired by the developers of the games that they make, you know, because so few games nowadays are moddable. because yeah. they're, um, they're, they're so
1: proprietary, they're so protected.
0: Yeah. But mm.
1: yeah, XCOM was built with the Steam Workshop integration built in from a very yeah. early standpoint, which I think was one of the first games that even did it as well. And it's so easy to mod, like you just click a button, it just does it. And it's easy to manage and it's just brilliant like it's so fantastic and the long war mod adds so much more to the game and yeah i i if you have any interest in that sort of game this is the one to go for you can forget all the other pretenders like this is the this is the daddy go for this excellent. one excellent and it was very a, good it was a hard year to choose between as well despite the fact that this is the game that i wanted to talk about more than any others because there <laughs> were some amazing games in 2012 so my honorable mm-hmm. mentions were far cry 3 which in mm-hmm. my opinion is the best far cry they've ever done uh, mm-hmm. This is the one that basically paved the way for all the current Far Cry's to be like. Like, one and two yeah. were kind of a bit weird and a bit kind of experimental. Three basically solidified the formula for the rest of the series going forward, even now. And you can see why, because it's absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, another game that was in 2012, which we've talked about so much in so much depth beforehand on uh, M is Borderlands 2. Of course. But, I mean, that one alone, that could have easily been the game of the, the whole decade, like, in my opinion. Um, mm. And another crisis management game that was honorable mention from 2012 was FTL. FTL came out in oh, 2012. Wow,
0: actually, yeah, I'm surprised that you didn't say FTL. But I mean, oh, how I do I pick it? between FTL and XCOM? I know, like they yeah. just these
1: are some of my favorite games of all time. But yet, I I can't choose both. So it has to be an honorable mention. I would have thought mention. the safe
0: bet was on FTL. Yeah, but yeah you're right.
1: But mm. thankfully, uh, that might get uh, might get its due later on down the line with a sister game to
0: FTL. <laughs> but we'll see. You'll see about that in a later <laughs> episode. Nice for me my choice is 2012 I'm quite pleased to end the episode on this one because this is like a it's my my slot for 2012 in my games of the decade but it's possibly one of my series of the decades because it is an absolutely defining series and of of sort of shaping and following the way that the decade has gone Mm. in gaming Um, and that is Forza Horizon
1: oh nice yeah
0: the first forza horizon game came out in 2012 and then the most recent one forza horizon 4 was like last year or the year before i can't remember now and you know it's crazy to think that this is this whole decade we've had forza horizon games and it is such a massive franchise now Mm. i mean forza was big already but it's hilarious to think that forza horizon was like the sister the little sister game to forza motorsports um which was already on its fourth game i think by this I point i think you're right
1: yeah i think it and was
0: and now Forza Horizon is like far dwarfed the the motorsport series, the series in every yeah, way if you don't if you're not familiar with it it's um all of the series is an is an open world racing game basically it's made by playground games who are uk based yeah. which is also excellent and the first one was set in colorado um, and the later games have been set all over the place. There was one in, like, Southern Europe, like Italy and mm-hmm. France. One in the UK, that was the most recent one. Uh, there was Australian one Australia, as well. yeah.
1: That's the one I played the most, is the Australian Yeah, one. that's
0: two, right? They're all excellent. I've, I've played all of them. And it's basically Forza Motorsport, but more fun. Um, because yeah. Forza Motorsport is, like, proper sim. Well, not proper sim, but, like, you know, in between... Ridiculous sim, yeah, and arcade. Well, I always saw Forza Motorsport as the slightly
1: more arcade version of uh, gran Turismo on the PlayStation. Yeah, exactly. But then exactly. it was still a fairly hardcore racing game. It was about it going was, to race circuits with like professional like F one cars and touring cars. Exactly. Whereas Horizon it's- is more arcade than that. And this is like the equivalent of like driving around you know, on Mario Kart style circuits. You know, like it's a bit more yeah. fun. It's a bit
0: more relaxed exactly and there's some things about Forza Horizon that we now like take for granted but were incredible back then are are still incredible now mm. the open it's like open world open world racing it's massive every game is huge mm. like every open world bit is is huge there are always loads of cars which at the time especially in 2012 like the number of cars on your roster was like the thing, yeah. like, like that was what defined whether a game was good or not. And I always remember Burnout. You remember Burnout? Yeah, Burnout was f- great fun. You know, for the GameCube. Yeah, they had no real cars in their game. Yeah, right? they, were, they had no licensed vehicles. They were all just like they had no lic- just made up on the spot, sort of they like were made inspired. Up. And they had no licensed vehicles because vehicle manufacturers were scared about their their cars being smashed up. That's so the legend goes, is that they didn't want their cars to be smashed up in in a game. So to think that like Forza Horizon literally had, like every game has had like almost every car in existence. Pretty much. Yeah, there's almost not an exception. And it's like, and they're all really detailed. Like it's clearly made by people that are like super passionate. Yeah, they love cars. Um, You know i've seen footage where they're like recording the exhaust notes yes. from all of the cars that are in the games and stuff like that and it's like that undertaking is in is amazing to create like, them in such make... detail as well and not just the <sighs> exteriors
1: but the interiors as well like
0: yeah the interiors all are crafted great.
1: really ha- you know it's painstakingly accurately and the sound right yeah and the throttle response is correct and the way the brakes yeah. is correct
0: and you right. know right and, and like and it has like a very slightly stripped down but basically the same physics as forza motorsport 4 mm. so again like you've got like semi sim racing dialed down to be more fun um but otherwise still the same physics and so like a rear wheel drive car feels like a rear wheel drive yeah. car a four wheel drive feels like a four wheel drive like and it's like in an open world game yeah <laughs> where you can just like muck around yeah. like that's crazy and then not to like cheat and skip to the later games but like every time they've made a forza forza horizon game they always feel ambitious mm, always and they've always the got out. bigger there's no like destiny 2 style reset where forza horizon 4 is like a reset back to forza Two horizon yeah. scale it's like every game there's more cars mm. there's more to do it's more outlandish there's there's like weather well that was what i was gonna say is that when you say
1: forza horizon the one that comes to my mind all the time is how cool the weather effects are like yeah i can't remember which one of those it might have been the uk based one and it's just like it goes from like sunny to rainy as you're driving and it's it's it just feels great it feels really natural it looks fantastic as you're driving through it and it affects the way that the lighting works and the way that you like skid on the road
0: and and like these are things that Again, it's like thinking about racing games and what racing games, especially in 2012. Like each racing game, it would be like, okay, well, in this one we've got weather, but Mm. that means that you don't have seasons, or it means you don't have night racing. Yes, like there would always be compromise. There'd be a trade off, and it felt like Forza Horizon has just, just like all they've done is every game they've reduced the compromise, and every game they just add everything. Yeah. So we've done night racing and the next game, like, okay, now there's really good weather. Next game is going to be like, (laughs) oh, there's going
1: to be things, there's going to be night racing and weather and there's going to be time of day, Um, you
0: know, like all those sorts of things. It's, and I just, I don't know, like, it's just staggering. The, I cannot understand how you know okay yeah i know it's a division of microsoft so they got lots of money but i can't understand how forza horizon just continues to push Mm. the boundaries and the boat out of like extreme stuff especially the fact
1: that it was a spin-off originally
0: right it's that's it's so cool and so amazing you know and the most recent game topped 12 million players in august 2019 like it's so big so yeah it's it's my game of 2012 absolutely belongs on my list of game of the decade and it's like one of my definitely like a series of the decade that you always look forward to playing yeah yeah and like I, like every time you know and and to be honest you know it's got to the point where like i did i didn't complete the latest one you know i played it quite a lot but then Dude, eventually I big, get kind man, of, bored of it. Really they long. are huge and so and you don't need to complete them because by the time that you've like played you know a crap ton of races you've been playing it for hours you've got loads of cars you've tried everything um and you're like you know actually i'm done with this but there's still if i wanted to carry on i could yeah. and there's so much more to do yeah it's it's really really great Honourable mentions for 2012. Got a couple of really strong indie titles that I want to mention Mm -hmm. um, for 2012. One of them is Fez. Oh, yeah, Um, yeah. I really, really love Fez. I love the sound. I love the art style. I love the art style uh, a lot. It's a wonderful game. Um, It's a shame that it's sort of shrouded in a little bit of controversy around the creator. You know, there was all the stuff around the sequel where he like you know posted on twitter mm. that he wasn't going to do the sequel because of sort of negative press and mm. stuff like this um and it's basically you know the whole thing has disappeared off the, the game itself kind of thing. is still wonderful though nonetheless yeah on it's in isolation you know fez is a wonderful game i think that's you know it seems amazing to me that it's a lot such a long time ago now um you know and yeah it was it, it was a long time in development as well but it's inspired so many games Yeah, you know it whether did. it's everything from crossy road yeah. like and that sort of voxel style yeah, yeah. you know um gameplay monument valley mm. and all of that kind of perspective stuff you know these are these are big heavy hitting indie titles yeah, you are. know f- f- from later on and they really owe themselves a lot to fez um so it's a wonderful game and uh journey as well like nice, yeah. journey is, is another indie genre defining game a, a fantastic emotive game uh wonderful it was a is it still a PlayStation exclusive? I don't know. I feel like it um, might be actually. Yeah, it's like the everyone knows it. It's like you're you're wandering around through some sand, um, and and like it's got that sort of asynchronous kind of multiplayer mm. where people disappear and reappear in your game. Um, it's sort of very strong. It's very arty, but it's one of the one of the really great examples of where an arty game is still got good gameplay yeah. and is still enjoyable to play without. Like suffering for the fact that it's or quite having arty. to go in
1: like, oh well, I need to appreciate this. You can right. still just play it and
0: enjoy it for a, as the right. game it is, without Absolutely. having a bit snooty about it. Exactly, and it's you know it's very beautiful as well. There's some there's some scenes in Journey. There's a bit that I always remember, which is where you're sliding down a kind of sl- thin slope, mm. and there are pillars. And there's like the sun is setting on the other side of the pillars and you're kind of like sliding down the sand between the pillars uh, and the sun keeps the rays of sun keep coming in and out as you kind of get blocked off by the pillars. Such a beautiful Mm. shot, Um, you know, and there's bits like that where you're like, wow, that this almost like if this was a film, you would say that the photography is very good. Yeah. But yeah, so they're my honourable mentions for 2012. You know, some really strong indie titles to go along with the massive commercial behemoth that is Forza Horizon. Yeah, for sure.
1: It's just a nice balance. Like, I feel like our list as mm. a whole has been a really good balance overall, mm. too. Like, we've, we've picked so. some indie games, we've picked some uh, some big titles, etc. So, we hope you've enjoyed our recap of the first three years of the decade uh, mm. of our games. We, If you've got any things that you think we missed out of, our, our choices and our honourable mentions, please do let us know. And uh, maybe we'll do, like, a recap episode, like, after all these other ones come out, just to really milk this... Uh, collection of episodes for all they're worth um,
0: and if you haven't <laughs> we'll be still we'll be still posting stuff about this and it'll be nearly the end of the year not far off at this
1: rate yeah let's hope um, And then look forward to the next episode uh, we're going to stagger them as well so you don't like miss out on more traditional octal fm yes episodes so the, the next one which is going to be 2013 through to 2015 will be coming out uh, the episode after the next and then the last episode is actually going to be four years we're going to do 2016 to 20, uh, 2019 mm-hmm that will be the one after that one as well.
0: Yeah, so in like a month's time. Yeah. Nice. And uh, yeah, you can definitely get in touch with us all throughout this little mini-series. Send us a, if you want to, you know, tell us about your games of the decade, uh, send us an email, show at octal.fm or tweet at octal.fm um or facebook facebook facebook.com forward slash octal fm if you do get in touch with us via social media you know please please come along and follow us or like us Mm -hmm. um it really helps and you know if you're listening in a podcast app then definitely subscribe to us if you can uh and you know if you if there's any way of you leaving a review or a rating or a like Um, in any of them you know please do it helps helps a lot it It makes a big difference um so yeah please definitely do that Uh, that would be great and tell your friends tell your friends about us yeah and if you get in touch we'll send you some stickers as well Um, we've still got some stickers lying around um but yeah in the meantime i've been gelada and i've been sephron and catch us again for another octal fm very soon